welcome back to Roll for Enterprise, the podcast described as the squishy heart at the centre of Enterprise IT. Uh, this week it's just the boys. Lila had something best to do. Uh, she'll be back next week, all things being equal. Uh, let's see how we get on without her civilizing influence. And so let's start by talking about video games, obviously, because it's just a uh, boys' <laughs> sleepover. <laughs> That's fine. Perfect, perfect segue. Perfect segue. <laughs> So the big news is Microsoft bought Activision for $69 million. I'm going to leave that number there. And billion, not, billion, billion. Billion dollars. Who put an M in there? That should have been a B. It's a $69 billion with a B, and sooner or later you're talking real money. Um, I mean, that's uh, not the Microsoft that uh, we used to know when we were young, that's for sure. Not at all. Not at all. And... Um... Yeah, I mean, it's it's a big move, isn't it? I mean, did anybody see this coming? I, I, I don't, like, I think Microsoft's putting all all the pokers into the fire, right? And I don't know, like, they had to call down Sony because Sony got uh, got nervous over this one. Um, you know, it, they'll be the third biggest video game company based on revenue, I think, uh, with Sony ahead of them. And I think Tencent, that owns quite yeah, a few. Yeah, but hang on a minute. Let's, let's talk about that. Because that was one of my big wait-a-moment portions of the article. So first off, Sony, okay, yeah, biggest by revenue, but they make a lot of their revenue elsewhere, not from video games. So I would throw them out right away. I thought thought they were comparing only the video game uh, revenue. Uh, That looks... No, I think that was all, all revenue. Total Sony revenue. No, from what I understand, it's number three now behind, yeah, behind... um... I mean, Tencent, Sony. fine. But anyway, that's, leave that aside, even if it is fine. Uh, but the, the Tencent thing is, it kind of lines up with how they, they list Candy Crush as one of the headline properties. <laughs> so it's like Call of Duty and Candy Crush. Those are not the same kind of gamer. So yeah, 3 billion gamers, which is what they say the total addressable market with new company is. Yes, but... It's, there's a difference between free to play on your iPhone and you have to have an Xbox and a VR headset next week and uh, pay a subscription for a massively persistent multiplayer shoot your friends in the face thing. Yeah, but I, I think mobile gaming is is still pretty big, right? I mean, if we scroll back or move back to last week, like Zynga was bought by uh, Take-Two. That's right? correct. And, and Take-Two yeah. is like Grand Theft Auto and all that. So, I mean... It it is the I don't know is it the user base is it the multiple platforms is it like like it, the the space is definitely consolidating but the the mobile gaming guys haven't really made that much money I mean Zynga's been in trouble for a a long time right well no and that's my point they rely on the whales the people who buy the gems to progress in Candy Crush while ninety nine percent of the market is just waiting for the next free turn that they can take and- so does this even get approved? So, isn't that you, that's a penalty if it doesn't get approved? Yeah. So Microsoft so, is pretty confident then. Yeah, Microsoft is so confident that I think the penalty is in the two to three billion dollar range. Um, on top of that, I think I, I don't know. Did you guys hear about this interview that Kara Swisher and Andrew Ross Sorkin did with Lisa Khan, the uh, FCC chair, about and she wants to change like the monopoly rules and all. So like. There is a chance that they start to look at this and don't make it happen, and then Activision walks away with two to three billion dollars, which I think is is genius. I mean, yeah, 
you know, no, you're right. She's doubled. No, she's doubled down on this. You're right. She's and she's been pounding on the table. A lot of people have. We we've dropped the ball. I mean, all these mergers. Nobody's really been looking into these. When's the last time we really had a you know any of these fail? I mean, I think you're right. But then again, is everybody now looking at Google and all their stuff and Meta and all the stuff they're going through with all their ads? Are they kind of not focused? I, I don't know. I don't know. And and that's the thing. And maybe that's why the messaging is, oh, they'll be the third largest in revenue, right? Because it's like, oh, there's there's two other giants in the space. Like, it, don't don't think of this like Microsoft. It's really Xbox, who's like, you know, PlayStation has really the market. But you know, so Sony's a terrible company, by the way. I mean, they can't get their their stuff together at, at all. I mean, from the time they've been hacked, they can't deliver PS5s. I mean, it's like insane. If you want a PS5, you still need to go to secondary market. So. Yeah, they're going to execute a lot better and take out these partners, and these partners are all all worried. So I would say, yeah, I, I if I was in the industry, I'd have not worry about it. But if you're a gamer, you, you you want this to happen, right? So let's talk about. I mean, you, you mentioned. I mean, Kara had some good points on some of this stuff. Um, uh, you know, I I mean, and I didn't think about it this way, but Xbox is really the platform. They didn't really have a play, right? Going, you know going into the gaming, we all think about gaming, but they just had the platform. So now they do get access to some data. Um, well, they so have they their own games. They, they, they have like the Halo no, franchise. They, really, they, the they didn't really, they didn't really, no, no, not, not like this. This really puts them in the, in the middle of it. Right. So. I, I think I you know. get, I, I think their online audience with Xbox live is quite large. I, I think this, yeah, yeah it, it, it takes them to another level, especially when you start talking like call of duty and, I mean, it's a, it's a different level when you start to look at these games. Yeah. And they owned yeah. Minecraft already. They bought Minecraft Direct. So there's a, a, that was the funniest thing to me. In, in our corner of the world, we tend to think of Microsoft as being you know, an enterprise company. They're the people <laughs> with Azure and SQL Server and uh, all of these things. $5 million a day that they're going to get forever with Call of Duty, not like a franchise movie. That was something that Kara brought up, Mike. I mean, what they just did here is amazing, right? It's not like Amazon buying MGM. I don't know what you're talking about, though. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. So, so, like, Call of Duty, they're saying, basically brings in about, I mean, somehow, I mean, uh, like $5 million a day. And um, uh, anyways, Kara brought up the point, Mike, that, you know, like, you get a franchise movie, right? Like, MGM that was acquired by Amazon, for example, right? You got a franchise movie, it might do, you know, $300 million. You know, after a couple of months, it kind of fades away. But what Microsoft has done here is, I mean, just just the the revenue from this is insane. Zach makes a good point. I mean, Disney bought all of Marvel for four billion and all of Star Wars for four billion, and those are some pretty sizable, hefty properties in the film world. And here's Microsoft buying Activision Blizzard. There's a huge library of content and that recurring revenue, as Zach was saying. Uh, a lot of this is subscription revenue, so it just keeps coming in regular and predictable. And if you can just keep turning that crank, uh, then you're going to be in a pretty good place. Uh, Activision Blizzard has, of course, had some management challenges, but Microsoft could be in a position to to fix that, to you know, bring some grown-up supervision. Yeah, and probably cleaning it up the day before this announcement was probably key to what had to happen, right? So, I, I mean... Yeah, Microsoft just continues to build a printing machine, right? So, yeah. you know what it feels also to me is like, if I were to speak about our generation, right, Gen X, we we had gaming growing up and then we let it go. I think the current generation, it's almost like it's an entertainment method that continues to live, right? Uh, you know, 
they're not so much onto cable TV or to let's call it terrestrial TV, everything streaming, YouTube, they consider as part of that channel, how they consume content. And, and is just gaming like a movie for them? I, I, I don't know. This this has changed. And yeah, sometimes I wonder, like, are we out of touch on, on, on some of these items? And they, they see where the ball is going uh, rather than where it is today. It could be. I mean, this is kind of the question that I have around everything metaverse, which was one of the takes uh, you know, this is Microsoft preparing for for the metaverse because metaverse is going to require a whole bunch of content and here's a huge library of content and a whole bunch of people who know how to create uh, compelling content. But the problem that I have with that vision is for, you know, grown-ups uh, with jobs and children and responsibilities, you can't spend the sort of time immersed in a game whether it's on a flat screen or on goggles or through whatever other mechanism that uh, that we used to when we were, when we were teenagers, and that's not anything to do with the tech or the specific property, intellectual property that's behind it. It's simply that I can't lock myself away from the world for more than a few minutes, uh, except very very occasionally, and I have very many things that I want to do with those occasions. And shooting my friends in the face appears to have gone a long way down the list of priorities, especially because, you know, scheduling it is a nightmare. And we can only run a weekly podcast because we have four hosts and we can usually guarantee there's at least two of them available at any given time. Uh, but if this were, you know, a, a shoot each other in the face gaming clan, we could not keep the game going because we're very often one or other of us has something else to do with their grown up life. First of all, this whole metaverse thing, like how people related it to the metaverse. I mean, this is like, it, it's, it's getting a bit ridiculous. I mean, anything with a, with a screen now is being considered like, oh, we, we, we could put that in the metaverse. We could consider the metaverse. I, I, I don't know if people actually get this like third party world type of, of story of, of, of the metaverse. And frankly, I, I think the definitions become so distorted that I don't even know what the metaverse is anymore. It's a bit ridiculous. Did you see yeah. this? Well, Did you see right this? at the peak of the hype cycle. At least I hope it's the peak. It can't build much more. God help us all. Oh, it, it can build. Oh, it can build much more. It can build much more. You know. So uh, let's. Did you see this ridiculous like micro, uh, Walmart preparing for the metaverse, like NFTs and all this? I, I don't yeah. know if you guys saw the demo videos, but it's terrible. I mean, I, I don't know, Dominic. We were reading an article or sharing an article at some point where people were talking about like how the web started, and when the web started, people were trying to take like what was brick and mortar and move it into the web. So everything had like a real life feel to it. Like if you went through a shopping mall through this and now here you are, the, the Walmart metaverse example is making exactly that same mistake. It's like you're pushing a car through the store, picking up stuff like, oh, no, wait, wait, wait. no, that, that video though, that was the, the one that made the rounds on Twitter that you're pushing your car through the store. And then at the end it would say, we'll deliver the, the TV to your car. So you're in the car pushing your car through the store. <laughs> but it turns out that's not uh, new. That's a few years old. It was a video that they did for like a South by Southwest or some blue sky thinking type situation. Uh, and people assumed it was current because of all the hype, uh, but, but it wasn't. So they are looking into that and they probably got some sort of world head uh, evangelist uh, on hand, but I, it's not that. The experience has to be completely different. I mean, it just, it, it doesn't make sense yeah. to have it the, the way it is. I mean, it's just, it's... Um... Well, that's why everyone moved away from skeuomorphism, if I can put on my Apple fanboy <laughs> hat. It was because it forced you into certain interactions that were 
there were limitations. You could only look at one page of your calendar at any time, and the calendar always had the same look as the paper calendar. It couldn't be a you know scrolling digital view into the future. And that's not something that, that needs to be the case anymore when it's appearing on a screen. It made sense for a short while because people weren't used to uh, touchscreen UIs and that sort of thing. And so it was a crutch to onboard users. And then once users were familiar, it was discarded. And that's no longer how we build UIs. The metaverse may have something like that for its onboarding uh, briefly, but not... I, I I hope not. <laughs> my online shopping turns into having to push my cart up and down. <laughs> that would be horrific. You know, one, one thing's clear, like everybody has this like, um, you know, there's, there, so there's rumors now that almost every company is going to release like a headset, right? Or some kind of glasses or something of, of yeah, that Google's nature, right? the latest. Yeah, Google's the latest, right? And they, they've had their foray into this, right? Cardboard and, uh, and Google glasses and all this. But, you, you know, I, I think everybody estimating that Apple will come out with something. I think that's way too early. I think Apple's going to yeah. see how things go. They'll reiterate, reiterate. And they've that's always absolutely been... their move. They're always the second mover. They wait yeah. for someone else to figure out what doesn't work. And then they come in and say, look, this is how you should do it. And then everyone goes, <laughs> oh, of course we should. <laughs> yeah. And, and then it takes others so long to get to their point that they've like just cornered the market. So I, I think all the first the first movers and the first companies that come out here, they're they're not they're not going to make it. I I think they're just going to become like an afterthought, right? And th this is why I'm not so keen on like what Facebook is doing. I, I think Facebook is struggling for the audience, right? And the audience is just not there. I, yeah, they're I, struggling for relevance. Yeah, we'll look back on it like uh, BlackBerry, uh, which shut down. BlackBerry is now gone. The, yeah. the last vestiges of BlackBerry. Yeah, Sad. yeah. But I think that's the way it'll it'll move. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of phones, we've talked about 5G a few times on the podcast, and 5G was back in the news, uh, surprisingly not uh, with a link to vaccinations, uh, but to airports. Uh, U.S. airports blocked the rollout of 5G literally the day before it was due to be turned on over concerns about interference with navigational systems. So everyone was kind of scratching their heads about, surely, you know, other countries around the world have 5G and hasn't resulted in planes falling from the sky. Uh, so that part we were able to work out. There, apparently there's a different frequency involved that's closer to navigation bands in the US. And here in Europe, at least, we don't use this particular frequency. Don't ask me to remember the numbers. Uh, we'll link uh, various articles in the show notes. Uh, and also the power levels are different with US equipment. So we're back to the days of CDMA versus GSM. You have to have a US phone and the European phone. And uh, we'll figure that one out, I hope. Uh, but the, the other question was, you know, why did the issue come to light so late? It was a, uh, this has been in the offing for a good couple of years. It's the, the network's been saying 5G is coming. They're building out to the cell sites. They're connecting them up to their backbones. It's not something that they just, you know, rolled out a truck to to the airport parking lot overnight. <laughs> it's just mystifying to me how that happened. I, I, I don't know how you even get here, right? I mean, it's it's just like, and and I don't know if it's, you know, do I look at like the design of 5, like is the problem the design of 5G in the US or is the, the problem the, the planes? I mean, you know, there was also some weird like 747 story that or 787, 777 story this week that it has some kind of issues. And 
Like, I, I, I don't know. I, oh, I'm 787 with issues again? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. But it, it's it's like terrible. I, I, I don't know how this even, even happens. You know, uh, people also talk like, hey, is like, did we go wrong with all 5G? I mean, is this the end of it? I, I, I still remember being in a, in, a, in a meeting and telling someone like, hey, are we, are we looking at 5G on the roadmap? Because that couldn't replace like Wi-Fi in buildings and, 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 you know, hard Ethernet cables. And they laughed at me and said, yeah, they said that about 4G. No, Mike, that won't happen. And it turns out, I think the, the person was right. And, and now when you look at it, I mean, everybody has a lot of hype on low Earth orbit satellites. Of course, they come into, um, you know, a, a router and act the same way. But yeah, I, I don't I don't know where this is all going. But it's it, it's certainly we we have not figured this out as well as people think we have. Let's put it that way. No, exactly. And 5G, especially indoors, if uh, power issues and propagation through walls, and it's it's not, at least to my understanding, I don't actually own a 5G phone. Uh, but to my current understanding, it, when it works, it's great, but it is nowhere near universal unless you're in the center of a large metropolitan area. Do, do you have uh, any uh, 5G spots near you, uh, Dominic? Or are you? Oh, yeah, the network's been rolled out. It's just I'm still on a iPhone 11 because I skipped the 12, and I was going to get a 13 when I was in Vegas for reInvent, and they didn't have any. And the price difference is just enough to make my Scottish jeans kick in and go, eh. <laughs> yeah, not, not worth it, not worth it. And now no, that but... I've waited this long, I may just stick it out until the, after the summer and get the 14 you know, tick, tick tock. So, so we have, I mean, there's 5G r- relatively close here. And I mean, it's, uh, it's fascinating driving down streets where 5G is because the, the, the amount of cell towers, the concentration is so high. It's, it's quite, uh, quite surprising, right? So I, I don't know how you scale that to uh, large areas, right? So city centers, I could see like high dense populations, but I, I don't like rural I, areas. No way. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that becomes a problem, right? And so oh, well, in the US, yeah, with suburbs, yeah, I always think you know, here in Europe, cities are fairly dense affairs, but uh, not necessarily where you are. Exactly, exactly. So I, I don't know. I think lower Earth orbit satellites might be uh, the way to go. And again, um, Elon and Starlink and SpaceX might be ahead a here too. So I, I, I don't know. I, I think this will be a mix of things, but obviously 5G hasn't uh, delivered what everybody expected it to deliver. Yeah, we shall see how that plays out. But uh, maybe it's a good thing I, I'm not flying anywhere right now. <laughs> if planes are going to start falling from the sky and get confused with their altimeters, uh, I'd rather not be anywhere near them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you could just put on uh, pair of goggles and go there in the metaverse, and then that's the same thing. So there you go. <laughs> there we go. We may yet end up doing that. Yeah, all of my uh, January, February, March travel has all been postponed to april june july uh, we shall see yep yep but we're talking about that a slight side conversation talking about that on twitter with someone and it's back to the, the issue of being uh single threaded it's all too easy in a meeting to just uh, look off at the other screen and check out what's going on on twitter and now i'll quickly dash off an email and update my shopping list and uh, you've missed a whole chunk of the meeting. And and that's harder to do in person. It's not that people don't, but it's more noticeable. You have to be at least somewhat subtle about it. And uh, that's uh, yet another thing to miss from being able to go places in person. 
I actually think travel and face-to-face is is starting to ramp up. I think what's has people cautious is cross-border travel because of the rules. You right? might get stuck somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and we and and I've heard stories of of people getting stuck places. So, oh, totally. I, yeah. So I I don't think we're we're quite out of the mix. But I mean, at some point this year, I think there's a couple of countries in Europe that have done it right that have claimed it's an endemic and are starting to lift a lot of the. It's. I mean, the UK doesn't count because they're having a little bit of a constitutional crisis uh, right now. So they're just trying. The government's trying anything to get people cheered up, but uh, it does look like the the wave has peaked. And at this rate, and once it passes, the many of the restrictions might be lifted. Here in Italy, the emergency decree expires with the end of March, and it's looking like it might not be renewed. It might not need to be renewed. I should say. You guys haven't had that but big of an Omicron, uh, Omicron uh, surge. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's... But, uh, well, that's the thing. Big in terms of infection, not big in terms of ICU and deaths in most parts of the country. And if that trend continues with the, the next waves, then maybe we do just start treating it like the flu. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think that's coming, yeah. So here we go. Every, everybody will get sick eventually, and then we, we just move on. Yeah, exactly. Um, speaking of Italy, there's some good news here is that the, the government is finally, finally extending our national system for protection from spam calls to cover mobile numbers. Previously, it's only covered listed <laughs> landlines. Uh, and who has one of those? But the, the FCC in the US is also proposing data breach notification rules for phone companies that are uh, finally getting some teeth. And there have, of course, been several high-profile data breaches involving U.S. phone companies. So that's got to be all to the good, right, Mike? You know, I think they want to shorten the time that you announce a breach. But, man, let's face it. Like, are are companies announced? Like, let's take the cloud providers. Do you really believe that no cloud provider has been breached at this point? I mean, yeah, maybe they haven't. I mean, we've had a lot of downtime. I mean, I, I, I don't know... I don't know that the definition of breach is the same for everywhere because this this FCC, what their proposal is, is also if it's unintentional, they want notification. So basically, if you make um, yeah, a change to access and, and like data was exposed somewhere, you have to kind of declare it. I mean, it's getting a bit to the point where you know, you're going to start to, I mean, we're in IT. I mean, like, hey, mistakes happen and yeah, yeah. It, maybe it shouldn't, but like, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know that everybody's definition of breach and definition of the severity of a breach is the same. So, you know, you could say this, but I'm sure like lawyers will always get involved, especially we're talking about the giants here. Right? We're talking about AT&T and Verizon. I mean, well, I think that's the contention, though, uh, something on the scale of a Verizon or a Vodafone on this side of the Atlantic. They have the resources to to know about that. They should. Uh, they should be auditing their own network. They should have systems in place uh, to be to prevent a breach, but also to be aware if something has occurred, to look at lateral movement within their network. And if they're not, then maybe they should get a slap. I, I don't know that this is being done right, right? I mean, you need to put a lot of a, a thought into how you roll these these items out and disclosures and so on and so forth. And yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if people in, inside a company even know when, when they've been breached and if people inside are, are hiding it sometimes, you know, it's um it, it's a tough one to, to say. No, for sure. And we did talk about this uh, 
for listeners who missed last week's episode, we did talk about the questions of data management and data provenance uh, and how to address some of these issues in general terms, not specifically about breaches, but just about tracking, you know, what data do we have? Where did it come from? Who's allowed to do what with it? See it, modify it, delete it. So it's, a, it's an interesting topic to look into. Put it on the blockchain? No, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> the blockchain is, by definition, incompatible with GDPR. We have a right to forget. And blockchain, the data is indelible. So that, that's true. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Not sure how people are planning to square that circle. They just won't, Dominic. That's the problem. They just won't. Yeah. Break all the rules and then figure out what to do, right? There's so much good at its creating that. Yeah, you can't stop it. That, that. Move fast and break things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And unfortunately, that's still uh, the moniker uh, uh, around here. So let's see. In, and finally, a slot of the podcast. Let's talk about coffee for a moment. Uh, so, of course, Mike and I agree about what is proper coffee. Zach is sadly misguided and likes to drink Greek coffee. I don't even drink coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even drink it. But if I did, the Greek coffee is great. Come on. No, Greek, Greek coffee is great. What, what's not good is Starbucks. And the good people of Milan have spoken. Uh, two of the city's eight Starbucks locations are due to close permanently because they're so explosively unprofitable. And even uh, the, the piece that uh, I'm going to put in the show notes says that even the locations that are remaining open, the sales are not uh, kappa, frappa, frothy, liter-sized buckets. Uh, but just straight up espresso, the same thing that Italians all do in any, any other coffee bar. So the Starbucks lifestyle is not catching on in Milan, let's say. Is anybody really shocked about that? Uh, not especially, no. <laughs> I, I, I mean, the fact that people are, I, I mean, the last thing I buy at at, uh, at Starbucks is, is a true espresso, you know? So that's, that's the weird part. And I mean, everything... Look, it's really hard to find, and I'm going to get so much shit for this, but it's really hard to find a, like a really great roaster in the U.S. And, and when you do, you kind of uh, hold on to it because everything seems to be like really dark, bitter beans. But hey, you know, what, what do we know? What do we know? Well, there's a sponsorship opportunity for all the coffee roasters listening. Email us over here. The other funny thing about Starbucks in Italy is the they started rolling out Nespresso-compatible capsules, and they're in my local supermarkets with a big presence. They, they've, they've had an end cap there for maybe a year, and those things don't come for free. And I've never, ever, ever seen anyone take anything out of that end cap. Even when the supermarket is absolutely rammed, people are going right around it and going to the supermarket own brand. Uh, they're going for whatever of the other half dozen brands of Nespresso-compatible capsules. Starbucks ones just sit there gathering dust. Uh, sorry, Starbucks. Italy doesn't want you. <laughs> but they've marketed um, espresso to the rest of the world, so hats off to them. They've done an interesting job. They've, they've done well. you got to give them credit. But, yeah, I mean, they probably uh, – they probably I wouldn't know if they say they peaked, but, yeah, I think even in the States here, I don't know. Are they doing as well as they used to? I know we've had COVID, but still, I don't know that there's uh, – I don't know. I haven't looked at their earnings, but – I mean, certainly coffee bars suffered during COVID. Starbucks itself dropped 50% year on year. So that's got to have contributed to that decision. And they dropped like 50 million bucks. They bought the old Milan Central Post Office building, uh, which is super central. It's a really beautiful building. 
Uh, and so that's got to be a hit on the bottom line as well. Well, if they succeeded in Italy, then that would have changed their entire profile. So, yeah, they got to go for it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. With that, I'm going to go and drink some coffee that I'm going to make myself from my local hometown roaster. <laughs> and we will be catching up with you next week. Uh, please do follow the show on Twitter at Roll4Enterprise with the number four or on our LinkedIn page. The theme music is by my good friend Renato Podesta. And please send us suggestions for topics and or guests you'd like us to cover in future episodes. We're planning a whole series of episodes around cloud computing specifically. And so especially things in that general area, uh, which, I mean, to be fair, these days is pretty much everything. Uh, but th that would be particularly interesting. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everyone.